This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 178, recorded on Monday, October the 13th, 2014. And the first thing I'd like to do this week, Jason, even though we're back to our regular regular scheduled program, and I'm really happy about that. Okay. But the first thing I want to do is just wish you and all the listeners in Canada a happy Thanksgiving, because today is Canadian Thanksgiving Day. Happy Thanksgiving to you. And it is uh, up here in Canada, we just call it Thanksgiving. We don't call it Canadian Thanksgiving Day like you suggested that we do. We just call it Thanksgiving. We just have it a lot earlier than the States. We do. We do. Much earlier. They're in November. We do it in October. Um, I, I must admit I prefer ours because it's not as close to Christmas. I find the American Thanksgiving, it sort of interferes with Christmas a little bit. Uh, yeah, it would. It would. This is, so. this is nice because uh, Christmas and, uh, and Thanksgiving are nicely spread out. I'm not thinking about Christmas yet. I'm still thinking about Halloween. Exactly. So now that Thanksgiving is over, I can uh, I can plan out my my Halloween costume and then uh, spend the next two weeks uh, or so completely uh, fabricating it. Perfect, perfect. I know you like to do that every year. Yeah. <laughs> for and some then reason, not usually, go anywhere. For some reason, it's usually a clown, but that's no, neither here actually, nor there. Actually, I haven't. Uh, I left my clown outfit at uh, at Sphere Entertainment, where uh, where. They ran the the, the clowns. They're the booking agency that that worked with the clowns, and the owner of that was the owner of the clown band. And uh, I left after my last clown gig. I left my uh, my clown outfit there, and I haven't donned it since. All my makeup, my shoes, my shirt, everything. It's well, gone, man. It's All been right. like ten years since I've seen it. Okay, well, you'll have to get a new one. But thanks, uh, happy Thanksgiving to everyone in Canada. Um, and uh, let's move on because. Of course, The Walking Dead is back, and that's what we're really here oh, to talk right. about. Right, right, that's right, right, right. I, I, I hope you tuned in last night, or at least sometime this morning. I watched there are There are a few things I want to get out of the way before we get into our recap. And the first one is that i just like to welcome back all the listeners that don't stick with us through the summer. Um, I know there are, are many, and that's totally cool. I mean, we, we try to keep it about The Walking Dead all summer long here as much as we can, but we do branch out into the novels and the video games and the comic a little bit, even the comic, um, over the summer. And I know a lot of people don't uh, don't listen, and they just come in when the TV show's on, which is totally fine. So welcome back to all of you folks. And to any new listeners that we have now, which there, you know, hopefully are some, um, just uh, welcome to you two, you guys as well. And just so you know, what we usually do around here is we record on Monday nights where we recap Sunday night's episode of the show. And then we record again on Wednesday nights where we sort of read your listener feedback, calls, you know, uh, Facebook tweets, whatever, and just get caught up on listener feedback. So there are two podcasts a week for your listening enjoyment, and uh, hopefully you do enjoy them. So the other thing I want to get uh, out of the way right here is to remind people of our season five record your favorite scene contest, because, of course, as I just said, there's probably people who are back with us for the season or new listeners. I'm going to go through that again. The idea is you pick a scene, a short scene from The Walking Dead TV show, and you and your friends or just you by yourself record it somehow on your phone, your computer, however you want, and uh, send it in. And we did this last year, and it was so much fun, and it was so great getting all these entries from people and listening to them and playing them on the podcast. 
that we're doing it again for season five. So pick a scene, record it somehow, and then send it in to us at talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, at the end of season five, we're going to pick our favorite for a really, really awesome grand prize. That'd be awesome. You can record it on your tape recorder too. Some people still have tape recorders. That's sure. fine. Sure. So record it, somehow digitize it. Uh, <laughs> don't send us a tape because I don't have anything to play it on. Do you have anything to play it on? I cannot play a cassette tape in this house anymore, no. No, me neither. So don't do that. <laughs> but, no. uh, you know, somehow get it into a digital format. and then, Or if you have a reel-to-reel, that's fine. If you have uh, some people, you know, they used to make record recorders. You could actually uh, record an album. That's uh, a thing still, actually. I saw a guy at South by Southwest this year doing just that, digitizing from, well, not digitizing. Uh, what is it? De-digitizing? He was playing a CD, and the audio was being uh, carved into the vinyl in real time. Nice. It was very cool. That's actually, it's called a lacquer, that what they record on, because it's actually softer than a, than a vinyl. It's what they make the, it's like a master for the vinyl. Right, right. Well, it was pretty neat. Anyways, the point is, somehow record yourself doing a scene from The Walking Dead. It can be from any season and get it into us. And uh, the more we get, just the more fun we'll have listening and we'll play the, some entries on the air and ultimately choose our favorite. Now, the prize, just so you know, is fantastic. It is a complete set of cover variants for issue number 100 of the comic, all of the retail covers anyways, complete set, as well as a... And, I, and we, we haven't really ever said this one out loud because it could be potentially a little bit spoilery for the comic. So I'm, I'm going to continue with that. But if you read the comic past issue number 100, you know what I'm talking about. It is a, it is a replica of a prop that appears in the comic. Nice. And it's very, very cool. So that is the prize. That'll be awarded at the end of season five. So you can choose a scene from anywhere from the series, including season five, if you want to wait a bit and pick one that we haven't seen yet. Right. And, or or uh, if, you, if you happen to be a, a precog, you can, uh, you can record a future scene that sure. hasn't aired yet or hasn't even been written. But just a word of warning, if you record a scene from like season six or seven or eight or nine, <laughs> uh, we have to wait until that season before we can uh, officially enter you in a contest if we have one running at that time. Very good. We do want to make that clear. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's enough about that. Get those recordings in. It can be you by yourself doing two parts in one. It can be you and your friends, you and your family, whatever. We got all kinds of great ones last year, and we want to get all kinds of great one ones again this year. So yeah. that is cool. All right. We've got uh, other stuff to talk about, but we'll leave that for a little bit later. Uh, I don't want to bore anyone anymore. Let's get right into recording, um, sorry, recapping season five, episode one. No sanctuary. Thank you, Steve from nice. Beaverton, Oregon, for recording the title of this week's episode. No sanctuary. Hey, we have a Beaverton up here too. Yeah, we do. There's probably Beavertons all over the place. Yeah, Be beavers everywhere, Jason. That's true. Oh God, it's true. So, really quickly, the ratings for this episode are out already. Really? Yeah. Did, now, every did year, they release it before the episode? No, they then did I not. wouldn't necessarily believe it. <laughs> they did not. Every year, I make you guess the ratings. Do you want to guess at the season five premiere ratings again? Uh, well, I saw it. You saw it. Uh, my wife didn't watch it. She started watching it, but then stopped. Uh, your wife probably watched it. So uh, five. That's a good guess, but it's a little off. Yeah. We have officially set a new record. I'll tell you that. 
okay. the last record was set by the season four premiere when it was 16 point something million 16.5 i'd have to go back and check the tape on that one but this episode recorded 17.3 million viewers holy crap that is seven percent up from season four uh the the premiere of season four so if you can do that reverse math you can figure out how much the season four had yeah 11 million of those 17.3 were in the critical 18 to 49 demographic and that's six percent up from the same demo uh last year awesome so they kicked some major ass really they did has been known to do we beat out sunday night football by over 2.5 million viewers So I can remember a time when you and I would talk about the fact that nothing can beat Sunday Night Football because they were getting like 15 to 17 million viewers every week and The Walking Dead was coming in at 6, 8, 10, you know, stuff like that. But look at where we are now. That's just nuts. That's just absolutely crazy that uh, a show would actually beat football. Yeah. Football is is humongous, and it's the my, mo- my brain is just is, is mostly rejecting that. But I know it's logically it makes perfect sense. But just you know emotionally, gut feeling, I just I I I can't I can't fathom it. I can't I don't believe it, it. is difficult to to wrap your mind around. I know seventeen point three million viewers all sat down at the same time in front of their TVs and watched the same TV show. Like that is pretty incredible. They're saying that they expect that number to go up to 22 million when they include like time shifted viewers who recorded it and are going to watch it later this week. So 22 million people. Man, that, that was the population of Canada in the sixties. I know. In fact, it's not, we're only at like 35 million now. So it's not even that, it's not even that much, that, that far off from the population now. That's just nuts. I mean, and if it keeps increasing at this rate and we know we have season six coming and let's say we have probably season seven, eight, too. If we get to eight, season eight, and the viewership keeps increasing at this rate, we might hit the population of Canada uh, for viewers of a single episode. That'd be fun. That would be fun and totally nuts. It would be totally nuts. nuts. Okay, let's start the recap, shall we? Sure. It starts with then. Not now, but then. And then we hear people screaming. We see people in the boxcar, but it's not Rick and the gang. So who the hell's in the boxcar? What's going on? And they're talking about, uh, you know, we hear talking about not putting up signs and saying we brought them here. And uh, then there's Gareth and he's saying we were trying to do something good. So we're starting with, I guess, then means a flashback. And we have Gareth in the boxcar, which is interesting. That is, uh, yeah. So I was, uh, I was kind of really blown away by that. The fact that uh, Gareth and the gang were uh, were in the boxcar themselves. At one point. What were you, what were you kind of thinking? Did you, did anything come to your mind right away with which is like, what are they doing there? Any explanation for why they were there? I mean, we sort of find it out later on, right? But what were you thinking when yeah. you first saw this? Just confused. My my initial thinking was that uh, they were in the same situation that Rick and the gang were in. Uh, are in, uh, in the now portion of it, that uh, they were captured and put in the boxcar, but then were somehow uh, welcomed into Terminus and were actually given sanctuary at that time. And I was thinking maybe uh, maybe that happened before they, uh, they decided that all newcomers should be uh, killed or, you know, treated really badly right. that uh, somehow it was this was just a a, a proving out area where you you could you get put in the box for a little while mm-hmm. 
until you get a little more malleable and then you get let out of the box and uh, and get uh, indoctrinated into their society. I guess the f- the fact is we didn't we we couldn't say 100% that that wasn't still the case if that's indeed what you know what was happening here going in, right? I know Rick and everyone was kind of herded into that boxcar, but they also yep. instigated some violence against the people of Terminus, right? Right, but then when they got in the boxcar, the other people that didn't instigate violence were also in the ah, boxcar. That's true. That's true. So we cut to now from then, and all I could think is uh, the in the the immortal question posed by Darth Helmet or Dark Helmet himself: When will then be now? And the answer <laughs> it is now. The answer, this is now. The answer, of course, is soon. Soon, <laughs> right? But we go to soon. now, and we are uh, we're now with Rick and everybody in the box car, and they are making weapons from whatever they have: wood belts, you know, their belts and uh, cart breaking pieces of wood off of things, whatever they've got. We hear sort of a voiceover from Abraham, Michonne, Sasha, Maggie, Daryl, and the voiceover is essentially them updating each other on what they know to this point. And I thought this was a really, really clever way of just kind of really quickly getting through um, the character's uh, talking in the boxcar because they may have been there for hours, days, who knows. And it's just it's a really clever way of sort of making, telling the audience that they've kind of said every, they've updated each other with what they know and, and they've decided to, you know, make a plan to get out of there. I thought it was really well done. Yeah, it was, it was really well done. It, yeah. It quickly got us up to speed on, uh, on what's going on with these characters. Yeah, exactly. Um, the one part that really stuck out to me was Daryl telling Maggie that Beth was taken away in a car with a white cross on it and that she's still alive. I mean, that's the, that's the first thing that Maggie would probably say, you know, were you with my sister? Is she okay? Um, and I I really liked it. It was a great way to bring everyone up to speed. Yeah. So they start prepping for the termites to come in and they're getting ready and their plan is basically to attack them when they come in with all these makeshift weapons they've they've made and instead though the termites drop in I guess a tear gas container from the top Yeah, it looked like tear gas. Yeah. It wasn't just a smoke bomb. So, yeah. No, it looked like it was tear gas because they had uh there was uh, gas masks. Later, right. Like we saw a gas mask. Drop. Right. So it was it was tear gas. Yeah, well they come in wearing gas masks too. So um, it blows, and the termites come in, and they take four characters out: Rick, Glenn, Daryl, and Bob. Although we don't quite know that yet, we only know that they took Rick out uh, because we see him lie down on the pavement and then get dragged away. Um, and as he's coming to, he's being dragged along the floor, I guess, in some sort of building, and we can see somebody cutting up a body on a table yeah, and he's being dragged along and we see three large bins labeled burn feed and wash. (laughs) Yeah. So not really sure what's going on there, but it doesn't seem very good. So burn feed and wash. What is, uh, well, I know what feed means and I'm pretty sure I know what burn means, but what does wash mean in this context? Well, that's a really good question. I mean, if they're carving up bodies, if they're carving up people to eat for some reason, although that was never explicitly stated, but let's assume they are. I mean, I guess they throw the stuff that they can't use in the burn pile so they can just burn it and get rid of it because they got to do something with all the waste. The feed is the parts they're saving to eat. Yep. And wash, um, it's a good question. I don't know. Now, usually you don't, 
label something that you're going to eat, feed. So mm. I'm a little leery about that because you don't have, uh, you know, if you had a label maker, and I know you do, uh, you don't have your cupboards labeled feed, right? No, if I was going to label my cupboard, cupboards, it might be food. <laughs> it might be food. It might be meat. Or, it might be to be eaten. Yeah, eat. Uh, eat. You know? So uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they have cattle. Maybe there's actual cattle that they're feeding uh, with, you know, body parts. So, f- yeah, feed feed more would make you think feed food for something else. Yeah, for cattle. Yeah, cattle's referenced or, in this. You know, episode maybe they're too. maybe they're raising alligators. <laughs> maybe why not? You know, maybe the whole thi- this whole purpose of this entire terminus is to make uh, alligator boots and watch or you know wallets and things. Well, that doesn't really explain the wash uh, bin. What do you think wash is for? Do you have a theory? Maybe, maybe uh, I have two theories. One is that's the actual one uh, where they they throw in the body parts that they want to eat. They have to go through a cleaning process. Mm-hmm. Uh, or two, that's where they throw their dirty clothing when they're got blood all over them. <laughs> that's right. That makes sense because you do get a lot of blood on yourself hacking up bodies. So maybe those three bins, neither one of those three bins has to do with the, the meat that they're eating because they'll take that meat and put it, you know, hang it in, there, in a locker, uh-huh. or a, you know, a, a cold room somewhere, uh, whereas these are just three different ways of labeling their waste product. So this is the crap we have to wash. This is the crap that's going to be feed for our alligator farm. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be, uh, you know, crap we got to burn, like the heads, well, you, the chomping stupid heads. You know, you would think actually that the stuff they're going to eat, they would take better care of than just throw in some dirty old bin too. Yeah. So you're probably right. And you know what? Maybe these are slaughterhouse terms that we don't, that have specific meanings that we just don't know. Well, I looked up, uh, you know, burn, feed, wash in Google, and I didn't get anything except for uh, Burning Man and Walking Dead stuff. Okay. So, well, if uh, if there are any employees of a slaughterhouse out there that have a better idea, let us know, because I would be interested. Anyways, Rick is dragged by, and they're zip-tied, all these people, and they're lined up at a trough on their knees, and at the far end is Hippie Sam. Remember Hippie Sam? I do remember Hippie So Sam. the blonde guy at the far end of the trough, and there's um, three more guys before we get to Glenn, Daryl, Rick, and Bob, all lined up at this trough. So there's eight of them in total. And I would say that Sam and Rick share a knowing look. They recognize each other. They do. Sam, yeah. of course, was in the episode uh, where Rick banished Carol at that uh, house last season. So the guy, there's a guy standing behind them. He's got a metal bat and he starts to crack them in the head one by one. And then another dude slits their throats. Yeah, which seems a little inefficient. Why not just slit their throat? Why not just hang them up by their heels and slit their throats? Well, I think people struggle too much. So you crack them in the head and that makes them, that subdues them or knocks them out. And then it's much easier to just slit their throat and let them bleed into that trough for a while. Yeah, but I just, it's a very inefficient way to do it because if your blood stops pump, your heart stops pumping, your head is about two and a half feet above your ankles at that point. So there's not going to be a lot of blood that goes into that trough, really. It's just going to be the stuff that's in your head already uh, is going to drain into that. Most of your blood's going to stay in your body and pool at your knees and feet. I guess so. It's certainly more dramatic to have the, the crack and slash go here, though. 
Oh yeah, it was very dramatic. This was the point where my uh, my wife looked at me and said, "I'm out and left." Can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. I'm uh, I'm done with this. Uh, does she watch? Does she watch any of the show with you? Very little. Usually, the first five minutes of an episode every now and again until she looks at me and says, "I'm out," and then leaves. Okay, so she knows the story <laughs> that has been told in the first five minutes of every episode. <laughs> I t- I usually catch her up to speed when it comes time to her for her to think I want to try and watch the show again. All right. And so I, ca- I like at this point I caught her up to speed on uh, what was going on, and then uh, we started watching this. And as soon as she sees you know copious amounts of blood, she's gone. All right. Well, there's a certainly copious amounts here because as he was slitting those throats, it just sprayed out, and then the bodies were slumping over this trough, just bleeding into it. It was pretty nasty. I thought. It was nasty. So he's doing this. He cracks a few guys, a couple guys' heads, and we see that Rick has a wood shiv in his hands. So Rick's yeah. got, he's still got one of his makeshift weapons. Um, now, before the guy, Glenn. Glenn is the first guy in, in the lineup of the characters that we know, other yep. than other than Sam. He's, he's already dead, though. Uh, bef- before the bat-swinging guy gets to Glenn, Gareth comes in, and he asks about their shot counts. So yeah. he he's very methodical, I think. He's keeping track of everything that's going on here, and he wants to know how many shots these guys took when they were herding people into the train car, whether it was our group or not. Yeah. This was the first in many, many uh, comparisons to uh, concentration camps of World War II. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I didn't really think yeah. of that. This was the, you know, the, the systematic slaughter of human beings and being brutally efficient and uh, lots of red tape around it. Everything recorded, mm-hmm. how many shots you took. That kind of thing. This is uh, there's 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 more of these coming. Well, the next slicer, he doesn't know his count because he's new apparently, and uh, the the end result here is that Gareth tells him to go and count his count his uh, shells when he's when he's done here, but it also delays the the Glenn crack to the head. Yes, it does. but Glenn came pretty close to getting a steel bat in the back of the head. Now at this point, Bob starts talking and he tells Gareth about. The fact that they have a guy with them, he's got a cure, he can get them to Washington. And, uh, you know, he sort of says, we can all, we can make the world back to a better place. You don't have to do this. And I liked Gareth's line here. He goes, Bob, or he said, you can't go back, Bob. And I liked it because he used his name. I like the fact that Gareth knows these people's names. Like, they're not just... uh, Well, he knows Bob's name. Well, yeah, but I get the feeling he knows their names, which is weird because remember in season four, they kind of dehumanized them by giving them nicknames. Now he knows this is Bob. He's like, you can't go back, Bob. Forget it. Yeah. And that's uh, another, uh, you know, it, it. he's got it written down in his little book somewhere. Yeah, for sure. For sure. He knows everybody so that's going through this. When they went into the into the uh, the train car, maybe the dehumanizing was just to them. Like uh, I'm not going to use your name when addressing you, except this time. But uh, in you know at the end of season four, mm-hmm. uh, that it was just to de- dehumanize them, to demoralize them, right? Essentially. But this now he's got their names in a little book, and he's uh, when they opened up the train car, they said, "Okay, I want these four people from D and these four people from A." Right. Yeah. Well, I I just liked how he used Bob's name. I, I just got the feeling he knows everyone's name now, right? And he's he's right. keeping track of them. Uh, so he ungags Rick and he asks Rick about the bag that he buried in the woods because he saw them do he saw him do that, I guess. 
And Rick is silent at first, but he starts talking after Gareth threatens Bob with a knife to the eye. So right. that wouldn't have been very fun for Bob. And at first, Rick offers to take him out there, but he says, no, 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 that's not going to happen. You really going to make me kill Bob or are you going to tell me? And so right. Rick immediately starts talking. He says there are guns. He lists everything and he finishes off with a machete with a red handle. And of course, that's what he's going to use to kill Gareth, right. which is was kind of awesome, I thought. But at the same time, if you're in that situation, you don't want to poke the bear. Just tell him what's there and move on. <laughs> You know? No, but that's entertaining uh, action movie trope. It is, right? I know, and I, I like it when they when they do that. That was my favorite scene in uh, True Lies. You remember that Ar- Arnold Schwarzenegger movie? I sure do. With with Tom Arnold. Yeah. Uh, so, and that was the only movie I ever liked Tom Arnold in. Like hands down, the only acting I've ever liked that man. Uh-huh. Uh huh. One of the scenes was he was you know tar- uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was uh, was drugged. And then somebody asked him, what are you planning? He's like, well, first I'm going to stab that guy with right. uh, that thing, and then I'm going to use him as a human shield while you shoot him, and then right. I'm going to throw the knife at you and kill you. And then 14 seconds later, all that happened exactly the way he planned it. Of it's course great. It did. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so that means that we're going to see Rick use this red-handled machete on Gareth at some point. I, I, I believe that in uh, with all of my heart. All right. Well, that doesn't happen yet. What happens now is Gareth very calmly says thanks and regags him, basically. Right. <laughs> um, and he he says to the butcher that they have two hours to get them on the dryers and that they have to go back to public face after that, which right. this was, I thought, really, really interesting information. And it was a very clever way of communicating it to us, just them saying, you know, you got to get them on the dryers, then we're going back to public face. And we now know that these people have sort of like a, a public persona that they put out there and lure people in versus the true motive of luring people in to, well, kill them and I guess eat them. Right. Why else would you hang bodies up on a dryer either? So, Well, you're making jerky. You're making jerky. That's right. But all of a sudden, we hear gunshots outside, and then a big explosion. A huge explosion. A huge like explosion. Dirt rattling, you know, dirt falling from the ceiling, uh, foundation rattling explosion. It was, for sure. It's uh, very shocking in this kind of uh, post-apocalyptic, uh, I'm going. the only weapon I can find is a piece of sharpened stick. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you get this huge explosion. That's uh, It was very unsettling for me. Yeah, well, who knows what could be going on, and these guys didn't know, but they all sort of fall down, and we go to the brand new season five opening credits. I loved the new credits. They were good, yeah. So good. I felt like they were just a little more tense and jittery and a little darker than we've had in a while um, from from any season. So I was really happy with the new credits. Uh, when we come back, we are now with Tyrese and Carol walking on the tracks. And we've seen this scene before. This was a sneak peek that uh, I think AMC's Talking Dead show did a while ago. Uh, they're walking along and Carol says she'll help them get to Terminus, but not going to stay there. And suddenly a zombie comes out of the woods Tyrese doesn't want to kill it, says he's not ready for that yet, so Carol does it, and after she tackles the zombie and stabs it, stabs it in the head, she sees a whole bunch more coming out of the woods, and they have to hide from them. Right. But they are lucky because some gunshots distract those zombies, and they turn towards Terminus. Now, I have a question about these gunshots. 
Okay. Are these random gun gunshots taking place at Terminus, or are we supposed to believe that these are the gunshots from the termites herding our group of characters into train car A? No, because I don't think... Uh, I think that they were shots from Terminus, but uh, Gareth had said... Uh, he couldn't go get the bag because it's not safe to go out there yet, mm -hmm. which means they have a bunch of walkers kicking around. So my assumption was that the gunshots were uh, the termites taking care of, you know, a smattering of walkers. Okay. So the timing, I, I felt like the timing would be off too, right? They, It would. Like they've been in that train car for a day. You know, they had enough time to, you know, really think things out and then to start uh, making a bunch of weapons. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, and to cut the, the size of uh, wooden shiv that Rick had made from a zipper, like that he had ripped off his coat or from wherever, yeah. would take some time. For sure. Like, that's not just something you do in, uh, you know, 15 minutes. It's not uh, it's not balsa wood, right? That's actual <laughs> hardwood that uh, train cars are made out of. Yeah. Uh, if they're made out of wood at all, usually they're steel, but whatever. Uh, so, yeah, I think uh, they've been in that train car probably, you know, overnight. I would think. Yeah, at least probably. Um, but Carol and Tyrese are lucky because those zombies get attracted to the, the uh, Terminus and they leave them alone, which is good for them because there was a lot of them. Now we get a quick shot of them debating whether to even go to Terminus anymore, but Carol still wants to go. And then we cut to a guy setting up flares by an old cabin in the wood or fireworks or something. And his name is Martin yeah. because the uh, he's got a walkie with him and it crackles to life and it, they, it says the name Martin. Walkie. What? Uh, where do you get that from? Didn't he have? Well, he had a walkie-talkie. No, I know, but the the term walkie. We're we're like, I I I would call it a two-way. No, no, I'm no. Just wondering you know, what the discrepancy is. Like, where did you learn the term walkie? And ah, uh, I I can't say for sure where I learned it, but that's what they are, aren't they? I've never heard them called a two-way. It's a two-way radio. It transmits and receives. No, walkie's short for walkie-talkie. I know, but walkie-talkie, I think, is a name brand. Oh, I don't know. And it's, and it's stupid when you think about it. Okay, well, my early... Yeah, it is. My earliest experience <laughs> of with one of these things is when I was a kid, my dad was a news reporter, and yeah. they issued walkie-talkies to news reporters so they could communicate at different places around the city with each other. And he sometimes brought it home. It was also a police scanner, I think. And right. uh, he sometimes brought that thing home and would turn it on and show me how it worked and stuff like that. And he called it a walkie talkie. And I think maybe we just shortened it to walkie. Oh, there you go. Okay. Maybe I would have called it a two way. That's it. That's it. Sorry. He has a radio of some kind and his name, two way. the person on the other end says his name. <laughs> cool. And it's Martin. Now he, well, he's talking back on the two way. He references the chick with the sword and the kid with the hat. And right. as he's saying that, Carol and Tyrese show up, put a gun to his head, and say, yeah, we know them. <laughs> I know <laughs> the friends of the chick with the sword and the kid with the hat. That's right. So there's a little cabin there, and they tie him or they tape him up inside the cabin. He's sitting there, and uh, he, he says he was setting up those charges to confuse the dead ones away, which I think is a right. cool idea. I assume that's what he was doing when he was setting them up, was that it was a noise uh, a noisemaker to attract zombies yeah I, I i didn't really occur to me I, I i didn't really think about what he was doing which is weird because i recently watched land of the dead and they use fireworks in that movie to distract the walkers distract the zombies because they just stare up at the sky at them right so that may be where that uh, this idea came from 
Um, now, Martin, he tries to tell Carol that she won't make it to Terminus because they'll see her coming and so on and so on. But she leaves because she doesn't believe this guy for a second. And Tyrese and Judith stay there and, uh, you know, just to keep keep an eye on them, I guess. But we see Carol going and applying the stench coat for her assault on Terminus. Yes. It was disgusting. Listen. She just wiped the gore all over her face. Total yuck. Yeah, it was a gross poncho. It was. what I was thinking of. Yeah, the stench coat or the gormiflage. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Those were the two best uh, um, best terms that our listeners suggested when we asked for a name for this disguise last season. Yes, that was awesome. <laughs> Good stuff. But in the cabin, Martin starts talking and he's asking about the, the baby's name. Does it have a name? Is it yours? You know, so on. And... He starts talking about how he knows people, but that he doesn't have any friends because Tyrese says the baby is a friend. And uh, he says he barely remembers the old days because you get used to this shit. Right. But, uh, you know, and then he sort of goes on about assessing Tyrese's character. And it was one of those moments for me where I felt like, you know, he just met Tyrese and he doesn't really even met him. He's been taken captive by Tyrese, yet he's able to kind of read Tyrese's personality from him. And I thought this was a little too easy for this guy. You know yeah, what I mean? it was a little easy. And uh, you know, one of the things that freaked me out was when uh, I the, we first saw Judith in a cooler. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, what are you, crazy? But then I then we noticed that the cooler doesn't have a lid. Like it doesn't have a lid that will accidentally close because no. putting a baby in a cooler is just the dumbest idea next to putting, a, you know, temporarily storing a baby in an open fridge. Right. No, I got I got to put the baby <laughs> right. down. I don't have anywhere because the counters are full of groceries, and the fridge is empty. So I'm just going to put the baby here for a second. It'll be fine. And, and then the phone rings, right? And then that's it. Right. Dead baby. Right. So don't put a baby in a cooler. No. Just as a general rule, drawer maybe because you can breathe when you close a drawer. You can't breathe when you close a cooler. I would just like to say to everyone out there, don't take parenting advice from Jason. <laughs> He just I'm said, saying, don't put a baby in a cooler. <laughs> yeah, but you said drawer, maybe. If you have to. <laughs> okay, fine. An open drawer, preferably, but cooler bad, fridge bad, freezer bad, drawer, you know, they used to do that in the 50s. You bring home a baby from the, the hospital and you let it sleep in a drawer for the night. Still pretty you bad. Don't, not in the dresser. Like, you take the drawer out and then you pat it like a little crib. Okay, that's that's different. That's what they did with this cooler. There was no lid. It just Yes, it's which just, is good. It's just serving as a resting place for little Judith. Yes. Um. So what Gareth says, though, is he's like, not Gareth, uh, Martin. He says, Martin. what you got to do is just take the car that's outside and flee. Run away with the baby. He says, why haven't you even killed me? How does having me alive help you? Yeah. What which are you I'm doing? Why yeah. are you even talking to me? Get the car and go. And go. But I really like this line. I, I liked it because that's kind of what the audience is thinking. It's like, why? Sometimes people ask, why do they keep continually trying to save people? At least some characters anyways, right? When yep. you know the best thing or the easiest thing to do or the, whatever's in their best interest would be to kill somebody. And I'm, you know, that's I'm not saying I'm not condoning murder, but this is the zombie apocalypse. And how does keeping him alive help him? Well, it's a very good question, I thought. I, I would condone, uh, you know, leaving that guy behind and getting in the car and leaving. You don't have to kill him. You don't even have to tie him up, you know? Just, uh, you know, tie him up with uh, natural fiber rope. 
Mm -hmm. because with natural fiber rope, it's probably going to be stretchy enough that you can get out eventually, or at least, you know, rub it up against a piece of wood for a little while and it'll all, it'll eventually come undone. Sure. You know, artificial fibers, you know, they are stretchy. Like if you tie, don't ever tie somebody up with a climbing rope because they're designed to be stretchy in case you fall, Mm -hmm. right? So they have a lot of give. So, you know, uh, but you know, a natural fiber rope, leave him in there, get in the car and drive away. A couple hours, he's free. No muss, no fuss. And, uh, he didn't have to kill anybody. No, he didn't. But Martin's whole point was like, you know, you are not tough enough for this world. You know, you haven't killed me. You're walking around with a baby. He made a good analogy to like saving an anchor when you don't have a boat, which right. I thought was really good. And he's <laughs> yeah. trying to, he's, he's trying to get at Tyrese, right? He's trying to say, look, you're not tough enough, obviously to, to do this. So, just take the car, drive away, and continue being lucky is what he's trying to say. But he's really trying to yep. get under Tyrese's skin. Yes. But it doesn't really work. Tyrese, kind, you know, he doesn't bite until he has to yeah. <laughs> later on. Uh, but we see Carol. She's sneaking up on Terminus in her zombie makeup. And she gets to the fence, and we see a quick shot of them taking Rick and everybody inside. So... We know this is all happening at the same time now. And Carol has a huge gun with her. Just an yes. enormous machine gun of some kind. And we can see the big herd of zombie approaching Terminus. And some so some chaos starts taking place down there while she's watching. And what she does is she shoots a hole in a large propane tank that is on the Terminus grounds. Mm-hmm. And then fires a firecracker or a some sort of... Um, Rocket. 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 Yeah, the bottle rocket at it and blows it up. And we get our huge explosion with zombies flying everywhere. And this is, of course, the same explosion that we hear from inside the butcher room. Yeah. Fun. So I thought that was pretty awesome, if a little bit crazy that she could fire that rocket that accurately. But whatever. I'm, I'm willing well, to... Well, she'd it up against a fence. And well, do you know the, the biggest problem I had with this, I had no problem with shooting the propane tank. I liked the fact that the shot, shooting the propane tank itself didn't blow it up. Because right. that might, that probably wouldn't happen. There's no explosive element to a bullet. Right. Right. They don't have explosive rounds for rifles. Well, if they did, they're not telling me about it. And uh, so shooting a rocket at it, which is fine. You know, she just, she leaned it at the perfect angle. And uh, that all worked out really good, which is fine. Uh-huh. The biggest problem I had was that she was up against a fence with a guardrail on the other side of the fence. Who the hell puts a guardrail on a side of a fence for the woods, in what, the woods? What do you mean a guardrail? A guardrail, you know, like at the side of the highway, the metal guardrail to prevent cars from driving off the highway when they yeah. uh, forget how to steer? Right. Uh, there was one of those on the other side of this uh, eight foot, six foot fence or eight foot fence or whatever. So, like on the inside of the fence, on the inside on the, of the terminus. Yes, on the, ins- the on the far side of Carol, on the other side of right. the fence from uh, from Carol. What the heck is a guardrail doing uh, beside a fence? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> I didn't even notice it. I was too much paying attention with the awesomeness that is Carol in this scene. Right, and a big propane explosion. Like we had one of these uh, big propane explosions around uh, in southern Ontario a number a couple of years ago. All right. Yes, Remember a huge that, one. Uh, yeah, huge one. And it, uh, it killed somebody or two people, one mm, person. One guy. One guy uh, who was transferring, doing an illegal transfer of propane from a truck to a tank or from one truck to another. That's what he was doing. Okay. You're not allowed to do that. You're supposed to per- transfer it to a tank and he transferred it directly from a truck A to truck B. Okay. I think that's what caused the explosion. Huge explosion. So uh, big propane tanks blow up big. And that oh. was... Awesome. 
humongous. Yeah, I remember being woken up by that explosion in the middle of the night because it actually oh yeah is about five kilometers from my house where it happened. So, and you heard it. It I heard it. It was the loudest, single loudest thing I've ever heard because the there were two big explosions. The first explosion kind of woke me up, but didn't really. Uh, I didn't really become conscious. And then there were lots of little explosions happening, and then another big one, and. I thought, oh my God, is that lightning? Or I mean thunder? And then I realized that can't be thunder. That was way too loud. And then I got up and looked out the window and I could see a red glow coming over from one direction where, you know, everything was on fire. So did you think for a second that it might've been aliens? Uh, no, but I did think it might've been a big plane crash. Right. Which upset me a little bit. Um, so if anyone wants to know more about that, go Google the Sunrise Propane Explosion in Toronto and you can read about it. Um... All right, so what the hell happens? She Carol blows up this thing, this huge, huge explosion. This is the same explosion that our guys inside the butcher room heard, and we go to commercial, and when we come back, we are back with uh, Tyrese in the cabin, and he hears and can see the smoke from the explosion. Martin is still there talking shit, of course, and Tyrese says, nobody has to die today. And Martin says, if you believe that, it's definitely going to be you and the baby. <laughs> <laughs> right. he's, he's just reinforcing the whole, you're weak. You know, you're weak. You're not equipped to live in this zombie-infested world. We go back to the butcher room, which uh, is more of a slaughterhouse, I guess, yep. than a butcher room. And everyone's getting up after the explosion. Gareth is still there, and he tells them to stay here and runs out to find out what's happening. Outside, we have a quick shot of Mary. Remember Barbecue Mary? I do. She is on the ground. She sees a bunch of flaming zombies coming at her. And she awesome. gets, yeah, it was awesome. She gets up and runs away, and then a dude gets his face eaten off by a zombie on fire. <laughs> Flaming zombie. Yeah. I was applauding and congratulating uh, Greg Nicotero for that. Yep. Flaming, that was awesome. Flaming zombies are awesome. We see lots of- Eating a face with, like, blood everywhere. <laughs> Gnawing on his nose, flaming zombie, blood everywhere, guy screaming. That was awesome. It was pretty awesome. We see lots of charred corpses all over the place, and we see Carol walking in amongst the zombies. Yeah, in her stench coat. Mm -hmm. Back inside the abattoir, Rick has now freed himself, and he kills the two butcher guys with his shiv, and he checks the body that's on the table and then frees the other guys. Right. So all four of our main protagonists survive this butcher experience. We, surprise, surprise. I know, surprise. <laughs> we go into the boxcar. Inside the boxcar, they can hear the activity outside, and Eugene starts to try and open the door. Uh, but Carl and Maggie say they're coming back, and they're going to need, you know, you're going to need to be ready to fight your way out of this. So, yep. you know, don't get too worried. Um, we go back with Carol in the zombies again. Some are on fire. They're eating people. But she's walking along. And then she realizes that some termites are actually shooting at the zombies. So she doesn't want to get shot. So she sneaks off into a doorway and uses her massive machine gun to take down a couple of termites. One guy on the ground, some on the roof. But this, of course, attracts zombies to her and she ducks into safety inside a door. Right. But I thought it was pretty awesome, too, what she was that doing. Was pretty, uh, it was pretty cool. Back in the slaughterhouse, the four guys get up and grab some weapons. They decide not to destroy the brain of the guy on the table because he'll turn. And I guess they want to let as many zombies roam this place as they can. Right. Uh, they grab more weapons as they go through another room, a bunch of knives and so on. And there's an awful lot of meat hanging up in this room. 
Torsos and various such things. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. This must be the drying room, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside, they see another boxcar with uh, what sounds like people screaming inside it. Now, Rick doesn't want to save these people, but Glenn says we have to let them out. It's still who we are. It's got to be. Glenn has yeah. not completely lost all of his compassion for humanity. Rick, Rick on the other hand? Oh, Rick Rick wants them all dead and doesn't give a flying fuck about anybody else. He just wants... He wants all the termites dead and uh, whoever else is in there. If I don't know you, I don't care about you. Yep, pretty much. He has... He's moving on. He's like, these people deserve it. Although people stuck in one of those boxcars potentially wouldn't have deserved it, you know? Yeah, but what... uh, You know, when they let that guy out of the boxcar, eventually... Well, that... uh, Yeah. That, uh, you know, it, it's a dangerous thing because, it's, it you know, when they were in their box car, uh, they were all ready to fight whoever opened that door. Mm-hmm. So opening a door is uh, is a very dangerous thing. It's true. They they let the guy out and he's a big, crazy, tattooed, bearded guy. And he runs out yelling, we're the same. And then a zombie gets him. Yeah. But he basically attacks them. You're right. Um, So our four... Uh, Bob, Rick, Glenn, and, and Daryl, they hide because there's zombies everywhere. Now inside, we get a quick quiet moment here with Carol. She comes across a room that's full of people's personal items. All right. kinds of stuff that I guess they've collected from people. Which is another, uh, you know, another uh, allusion to uh, the concentration camps. This is what they did. They robbed, right. like they took all the personal possessions and then cataloged them and then uh, used them to... Uh, to further the war effort. Right. Well, that seems to be what these guys are doing. Now, she picks up Rick's watch. I I assume it's Rick's watch. And Daryl's crossbow. Right. So she can... Well, I guess she's just saving them, saving this stuff for them, but the crossbow, at least, maybe she could use, you know, if she needs it, but... No, that's Daryl's crossbow. She needs to take Daryl's crossbow because, you know, it's Daryl's crossbow. It always comes back to him. Yeah, it's that it's that thing. It's like Indiana Jones's hat. It's a magical item uh-huh. that uh, the Earth could blow up. The entire Earth could blow up while Daryl was, you know, happily sitting on the moon, and the explosion would throw his crossbow to the moon and it would <laughs> land right beside him. It does not matter what happens. Daryl will end up with that crossbow. He always has it. Well, in this case, Carol rescues it for him. Uh, we cut back to Rick and the guys, and they realize that. There are a bunch of Terminus people, and they're shooting zombies. They kind of hide until they pass, and then Rick takes a guy out, grabs his gun, and kills everybody. Right. This is the scene we saw in the trailer from Comic-Con where Rick shoots up a bunch of people, zombies, and living people, and then swings around at the camera and points the points the gun back at us. And we didn't get the slow-mo that we got in the trailer in this episode, but I still think it looked really, really awesome. It was it was pretty pretty damn awesome, and it's just such a such a an awesome move by you know our sort of main hero here to just take a dude out, grab his gun, kill everyone, and just be so alert and swing around, and like nobody else did anything. Rick did this all by himself, and then he says, you know, because they were debating doubling back because there was too much going on. Rick basically handles the situation, says we don't have to double back anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was just so wicked. Um, so Carol though, she's exploring Terminus still and she comes to the candle room, the candle memorial room. She goes to leave, but Mary is there hiding in the shadows, I guess, and gets a gun on her. 
And as Carol swings around to face her, she managed to sw- manages to swing around with the machine gun and fire off a few rounds, which makes Mary fall to the floor. And after they have a fight, Carol eventually overpowers her, and uh, they start talking. Yeah, I figured there'd be a girl fight. As soon as I saw her, I'm like, girl fight! Yeah, I mean, it wasn't much. They kind of wrestled around a bit, and then Carol managed to get her gun on her before she uh, before Mary did, so... That's true. Um, Mary tells her, this is a big scene, because Mary explains to her that the signs were real. They were trying to draw people there for, you know, not eating, to, to bring them to safety, and that it was actually a sanctuary. But Mary explains that that happened, and then some people came and took the place over from them, who were, and these were very bad people, because they were raping and killing and uh, enjoying it. So Sanctuary was taken over by some bad, bad, bad people until Mary and Gareth and all of them fought back and took it back. But by that time, sort of the message to them was clear. You're either the butcher or the cattle. So that experience is what turned them to the dark side, essentially. Yeah. Which is interesting. And Mary says that this is what Terminus had to be. And that proof of that is because we're still here, or at least they were mm-hmm. until Rick and everybody came along. So it's a big right. cycle. Everything starts off well. Bad people come and screw it up for a while. That turns everyone bad, and now more people have come and, and have ruined everything. Well, that's an unfortunate and uh, you know a, a really kind of cynical way of looking at the world is I can do whatever I want, and I know that what I want is right because the universe hasn't stopped me yet. Right. The point of what she's saying, though, is like the only way to survive is through brutality. If they try to be nice, it doesn't work because not everyone shares that attitude. Yeah. Well, there's know? a lot of assholes out there. It only That's well, it only sure. it only takes one asshole to to mess everything up, right? If if everyone universally was good and wanted to get along, then sure, they could make it work. But it only takes one prick to screw it all up, which yeah. I think is, you're right, a little bit of a pessimistic attitude, but also maybe realistic. Right. You know? So Carol asks her about the people in the train car and then shoots Mary in the leg and leaves her to be eaten by zombies as she opens the door and walks out. That was really mean thing to do. What would you have preferred, for her to just kill Mary outright? Shoot her or... in the head. Yeah. It's a little you more... Know? Humane, I suppose. Or drag her out of there, and uh, I'm not sure what. You can't really save her. But, uh, you know, yeah, I just thought it was a very mean thing to do, very spiteful thing. Carol's, uh, you know, she's on a downward trajectory. Uh Uh-oh. I thought she was your favorite character. She is my favorite character. I love this downward trajectory, but uh, (laughs) it's definitely uh, going to lead to some dark places. I love seeing her kill people. Killing little girls, that's bad. You know, leaving uh, leaving uh, a lady that uh, kills a bunch of people to be eaten by zombies, that's bad too. She's doing some, you know, bad things in order to survive. Mm-hmm. Well, that's one of the things that these folks have to do, bad stuff. Well, even even this, this is, she didn't do this to survive. Like, she did this out of spite. Oh, that's like, true. This is pure and, uh, you know, unadulterated spite. Hmm, that's even worse. It is. She did this just because she could. Well, speaking of doing bad things, we go back to the cabin where Tyrese and Martin are and the baby. Uh, A bunch of zombies approach outside, and while Tyrese is looking out the window, Martin jumps up and gets his hands on Judith. 
Yeah. And he threatens to break Judith's neck if uh, Tyrese doesn't drop all his weapons and go outside. <laughs> right. <laughs> and this poor kid, man, like what else can they possibly do to poor little Judith? It's It really gets me every time there's a baby scene and we think the baby's in in danger or going to be killed and they just keep doing it to us. Yeah, strangle the baby. Why not? Yeah, why not? Eaten by zombies, strangled, blown up, whatever. Um, Tyrese is basically begging him not to hurt the baby, so he does put his weapons down, and uh, poor Judith is crying, and Tyrese goes outside, and we go to commercial. Right. So, uh, man, people are hard on this kid. We come back, and we are still there. Martin is inside. He's trying to get Cynthia on the walkie. That's what he's trying to do. He's let go of the baby's neck. And we can hear the zombie noises outside, but suddenly they stop. And uh, Martin pulls a knife. And, you know, we see him kind of looking at Judith holding this knife. And all of a sudden, the door breaks down. Tyrese busts in, and he basically takes Martin out and beats him to death. Right. Good for him, man. Good for him. Yeah. And as he's doing this, we cut to outside and we kind of see the zombie destruction that he's left. So Tyrese managed to take out all these zombies, bust in, save the baby, and kill Martin. Pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> awesome. We cut over to the boxcar and everyone's still inside it, Who's who was inside it, and they're making their weapons. And Sasha, finally, somebody asks Eugene what the deal is with this cure he thinks he knows about. Well, they got other crap going on until this point. And, you know, up until up until now, it was, you know, it was uh, survival. So you had to do whatever you needed to do to survive. And now they're ready to, to do whatever they need. And they just have a little bit of a pause. Right. And so Sasha's so like, Eugene, what the hell? You got to give us some information here. At first, he says it's classified, but they kind of challenge him on it. And Eugene then goes on to say, none of you will understand, even if I make it really, really obvious and clear. And it sounds like he's not really expecting to live through the next half an hour, hour anyways. So he's like, I'm going to die anyway. So what does it matter? I could give you detailed instructions with uh, diagrams and, uh, you know, pictures showing you what's going on and a detailed FAQ. (laughs) And the, the, if I died, the, the information would still die with me. Right. Uh, but Sasha says, look, we just want to hear it because we don't know what's going to go on. So let's let's hear it. And so he gives them this kind of non-answer about working with the Human Genome Project and fighting organisms with other organisms and basically fighting fire with fire is what yeah, he they says. Get to, uh, he wants to get to, uh, to Washington so that he can get to his lab and maybe flip the script, which flip- I thought was a, was a great term. Flip the script. Exactly. He's like, I know all this information. I don't really know what to do with it, but maybe we can work with that and figure out what's going on and then solve this somehow is what he's saying. But fight fire with fire is what it comes down to. (laughs) That string of bullshit that he came out with uh, made me believe him. Really? There was, it wasn't just, you know, mumbo jumbo bull crap stuff. There was some actual information in there and terms that not, uh, that uh, somebody that was bullshitting wouldn't necessarily use. Like, oh, there's I, jargon in there that uh, that I did not recognize as a particular type of jargon, but I recognized some that it was jargon for whatever field he's in, and uh, I thought uh, it made me actually believe him. The the problem is he didn't 
well, he, he admitted to not really not, he admitted to having knowledge, but not an answer, right? He's like, yeah. I worked for the human genome project and we were learning how to use microorganisms to combat other microorganisms or something like that. Right. And yep. then he went on about, we went out inter interdepartmental drinks were had information was shared. So information got around and he knows what it is, but that's like saying, you know, I, I know what a sailboat is and I know that they have sails and I know that they have a keel and rudders and port and starboard and all that. And, uh, but maybe, but, but getting out on the water, you don't really know how to sail, right? Right. But you get that information to like, say you know all the terms and you know what a sailboat looks like and you get it to the, uh, to the people that uh, know how to make sailboats and how to sail them. And that's valuable information. You know, if they've never they've never heard of a sailboat before, but they have the skills to make and sail uh, sailboats, they just don't know how to uh, what what the sailboat looks like. And he knows what it looks like. He may not know shit about the sailboat, yeah. but when he gets there and goes, you know, there's like this pointing thing at the beginning at the at the front, and there's this big piece of cloth on it that catches the wind and it goes. And the guy that's designed that designs boats goes, oh yeah, that's a really good idea. For sure, designs the boat and then they can go sailing. For and sure, everything's all all happy because it's nice and sunny out. Well, that would be great. But, you know, he, okay, so he may have the information, but he doesn't know that he's taking it anywhere. Like, he doesn't know that the sailboat builder is in Washington. He's just assuming that it is. So he has some information, but he has no answer, and he's not sure if there's any, if there's anyone left that can do anything with that information. I'm just well, saying. I don't think I'd go to Washington. If I had that kind of information, I probably would go to Atlanta. I'd go to, the, well, in the CDC's uh blown up because you know they could tell him that mm -hmm. is there anybody there that was yeah uh, carl would know that uh, so you know there's other locations for the center of disease control atlanta's not the end all be all you know you blow that thing up that'd be really stupid if they centralized the cdc right into right. one single location that uh, if it went down then the rest of the country just falls sure that'd be dumb all i'm saying though is that he doesn't have he doesn't all he has is this information he doesn't know what to do with it and there's no guarantee that anyone will have anything to do with it. Now, I guess you got to try, right? There's no sense in trying. But, and and now isn't really the time for everyone to be like, what the hell, man? That's nothing. But at some point, I think somebody is going to have to speak up and say, this is a long shot. Like, this is the longest of long shots. You know, you may have worked at the Human Genome Project, but you do not know how to build a sailboat. Yeah, chances are he was the waiter when they all went out for drinks. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he worked in he the He still cafeteria. has the information. He might have the key bit of information that they need. Right. But, uh, you know, uh, but then again, he, he couldn't be a waiter. Who would, would you hire somebody with a mullet to be a waiter at your restaurant? Uh, maybe. I might hire them to, uh, at the bus tables. That could be, that'd be okay. Or you're, maybe he's a dishwasher. You're entering dangerous ground here of discrimination against mullet people. <laughs> Well, you know, if I was a, yeah, that's true. I apologize for a anybody that has a mullet. Mullets are coming back. I was, I'm thinking about growing one. Okay. Well, then maybe you can get Honestly, a job as a waiter. <laughs> well, no, I, I don't think I would get a job as a waiter anyway. Maybe not. I'm not, I'm not good with remembering people's, you know, orders. That's why they write them down. Anyhow. So Eugene delivers this non-answer in my opinion. And right at, after that, though, the door opens, and it's Rick. Hooray! Rick has come to save the day. Yay! Uh, they Everyone comes out. They fight their way to the fence, um, and 
I thought this whole sequence was really awesome because every character, I think, to a, a man got some really cool zombie kills. They all had their their makeshift weapons and they were, you know, Michonne had her double-ended homemade sword and she was poking zombies in the head with each end and a lot of them had... That reminded uh, me of uh, Wolverine's claws before he had adamantium grafted onto them. It, it Just did. the bone claws. It, it awesome. did. It did, but didn't... I think um, Rosita's weapon reminded me even more because she had like a fist with kind of claws sticking off of it and she That's she Wolverine clawed into somebody there too. I thought it was amazing. That was that was amazing. Well, uh, uh, Eugene didn't kill anybody. Okay, you're right. We didn't see him do anything, actually. We didn't even see him after they left no. the train car, I don't think. No, we did. We saw him loping around in the uh, in the midst of the uh, of the group, trying to stay away from the zombies. Okay, just running around. Every, okay, but that's to be expected. He even said, yeah. like, I don't kill anybody, right? I just run around and try not to die. But everyone <laughs> else got really good, like, neck and head shots and things like that. Abraham chopped a head off and... Daryl smashed a zombie's head into the brick and his eye popped out and it was, everyone got some really good kills. Maggie too. It was awesome. Uh, it was awesome. Um, they, they make it to the fence. They all start climbing over and Gareth suddenly shows up on a roof, but Rick sees him coming and Rick gets a shot at him on the rooftop and it looks like he wings him. Doesn't kill yeah. him, but yeah. he winged him and he fell back and that gave them enough time for everyone to get over the fence into the forest. Yeah. It looked like he got him in the shoulder. Shoulder, sure. Just you know, maybe just wing. scraped his uh, scraped his elbow a little bit there. Or something. Yeah, yeah. No, that that's his wing, so that's fine. He winged him. Okay, good. We are now in the forest, and they have gone back to the bag full of guns. They're digging them up, and Rick wants to go back to, into Terminus, basically, or at least go to the fence and start shooting them all and killing them because he says they don't get to live after this. That's just ridiculous. Rick is out of control. And everyone else pretty much says, look, it's over. The fences are down. The whole place is on fire. We should just get out of there. And you can see Rick's not really with them. But all of a sudden, Carol shows up and everyone gets distracted by her. Mostly Daryl, who runs over and they hug like crazy. Yeah. They well, that's are. that's nice. It's very nice. They're just big time huggers. He is so happy to see her. The next person that comes over is Rick. And he embraces her and says, did you do that? And she kind of says, yeah, and I think all is forgiven. Yeah, that was a big moment. That was, uh, that was the first time they've seen each other since uh, Rick kicked her out of, the, uh, out, of the, out of the group. It was. And, uh, and now that uh, she's, you know, brought hell down and saved them all, that, uh, that, she's, that she's okay again. Yeah. I mean, do you think it will, the whole Carol thing will come up anymore? Or is this just going to be between her and Rick and... She's made up for what she did, and it seems like it's ancient history now, and they'll just all be a happy family again? Yeah, I think they'll all be a happy family again. I think that uh, it'll all be forgotten, and nobody will ever bring it up again. Carol is okay to murder whoever she wants, and she can get away with it because it's okay. Yeah. She may have learned her lesson. She might not murder people just haphazard Not anymore. even close. No? <laughs> no way. So far, there there has been zero ramifications for her... Uh, killing and murdering people. Well, she was banished for a while. Yeah. Oh, poor, poor Carol. She was fine. <laughs> she right. went and killed like six other people since then. Well. And now it, she's back. She's, uh, yeah, she's, she's gone full psycho pretty soon. In the eyes of the viewer, and I think in the eyes of Rick, she's redeemed herself. So she's back in the good books with these people. 
Yeah, she's a homicidal maniac in my book, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) But that's A-okay. But that's A-okay. Well, she takes the group back to Tyrese and Judith, and we get a nice, another happy reunion as uh, Rick and Carl and Sasha run forward to greet their long-lost family members. And you know what this reminded me of? What's that? Reminded me of season one, episode two, I think, when Rick finally makes it to the group, and he's reunited with Lori and Carl, and he runs forward, and they all just hug and fall down, and everyone's super happy. It kind of reminded me of that. That is, uh, yeah. Except you know? Judith uh, probably didn't have an affair while they were apart. <laughs> no, probably not. Um, Rick thanks Tyrese with sort of an arm to his shoulder, saying, thank you, man, you're good. And uh, we go to commercial and come back, and they're standing around. Tyrese tells Carol what happened, and he says he had to kill Martin. And he says, you know, he could do it, so he's back. He can... He can do what he has to do to protect his friends now. They start talking about where to go, decide that somewhere far away from there is what they need to do. Clearly, Rick no longer wants to go back and kill everyone at Terminus because I think he's realized suddenly what's important now. He's got his family back. And Abraham says to Rosita, we'll talk to him, just not yet. So what was he referring to there, do you think? I'll tell you what I think. What do you think? I think I don't have a thought. Well, I think that, you know, um Abraham is transporting Eugene to Washington, and I think what he wants to do is saying, look, he's telling Rosita, we, we're still on that mission, we're still going to Washington, but for now, we've been through a lot. Let's just stick with these people and we'll get back on the road when we can and we'll talk to Rick, we'll talk to this group about coming with us or sort of joining the cause. I agree with you. Good. <laughs> Because I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Yeah, I'm sure that that's what it is too. All right. We cut them. We cut to them all walking on the tracks. And as they pass one of the terminus signs, Rick stops and he gets some mud or whatever and uh, erases the sign or smears mud all over it and leaves it saying no sanctuary. And uh, they turn and all walk into the woods. Yep. And we then go back to then. We are now back at then. Then again. Yeah, then again. We flash back to Gareth and his group in that train car. And a big bad guy brings a woman back in who, it was Mary, right? I think it was Mary. It was, yeah. Brings her back in and he takes another one of the women out. And I guess they're just raping and brutalizing these poor women. And Gareth says to Mary, we're going to take it back. You're either the butcher or the cattle. So this is did, just uh, kind of, sorry. Did Gareth say mom? Yeah, I think he did. He he did. Um, so Mary is Gareth's mom, as far as I as far as we know. Yeah, that's what I think too. So there's that. Yeah, there's definitely that. Um, but this scene just kind of reinforced the whole the whole notion that sanctuary was okay, and Gareth and his mom Mary were 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 doing good work until they got brutalized by some other people and then they lost all faith in humanity and went bad themselves so yeah pretty good end credits roll and uh the episode is over mostly but wait <laughs> but wait there's more i sitting there in front of my tv watching the credits you know look away good thing i didn't get up and go get a sandwich or go to the bathroom or something because after the credits, we come back and I'm like, wait, what's going on here? Are, are they, 
are they transitioning into something else all of a sudden? But no, it was a post credit stinger. This is a first for The Walking Dead. It is. It's fun. So what we see is a man on the train tracks. He turns around and he's got a mask on, but he takes the mask off. And who is it? It is. What's Morgan? It's Morgan. Good. I'm glad you remembered his name. Yeah. This was a massive surprise. I didn't, I had no idea. I didn't see this coming from a mile away, even though Low Winter Sun was canceled. (laughs) Right. It's Morgan. So Morgan is on the road again. We don't know anything about him. We don't know if he's still crazy Morgan or if he's gotten over that. We don't know if he's he's, clearing. He's crazy Morgan, but in a different Morgan, a different way. Uh, did you notice that he was, uh, like he had the mask on, but mm-hmm. on his back he had, uh, what looked like a helmet with a metal face guard. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. It would look like he was, uh, he was carrying body armor like this. Uh, he's definitely rigged for the wilderness and to survive by himself. Oh, that's not crazy Morgan. That's, that's well-prepared, you know, traveling Morgan. Yeah. Well, crazy Morgan set up all these traps to, uh, to catch zombies uh, and it was very meticulous and smart too. And he also had a huge cache of weapons and, you know, crazy Morgan was, uh, well prepared for the zombie apocalypse and was able to survive by himself. But he was so, crazy. But he, you know, yeah, he was crazy. So now he, he may still be crazy, but is also prepared to survive by himself, but just in a different context. He's walking, uh, he's walking the earth now. Well, he sees Rick's modified Terminus sign. So if he was on his way to Terminus, he's not anymore. But he also noticed some X's carved into trees, and it looks like he starts following yeah. those. Now, we did not see our group, Rick or anybody, carving X's into trees. So we don't know that this is their doing or what they mean. So no information about what Morgan is doing or where he's headed at this point. Yeah, there's another group of people. These are. It reminded me of hobo signs. You know what the hobo signs uh-huh. are? Okay, uh-huh. so it reminded me of hobo signs that uh, you know he's following a trail that somebody else has uh, has left previously. Now you you got to assume he's going to meet up with the group somehow. Like my first assumption is like, well, they're marking their own path with these X's. Why would they do that? They wouldn't do that. But but that's the thing. Why would they do that? It doesn't make any sense. But it just in the terms of this is a TV show, and uh, they'll probably bring them together at some point. Um, that I think makes sense, but. I really don't know. I really don't know. I was just super excited to see Morgan again. It was it was so fun to have something happen that I completely came out of left field for me when when yeah. when we watched this, you know. First time they've ever done anything after the credits and the fact that they brought back fan favorite Morgan was amazing. I'm very very excited about Morgan uh or uh, Lenny James joining the cast on, you know, just as a as a as a guest star. I think, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if he's so far, he's been in two episodes, right? He was in the the first episode and then he was in clear. Yep. So I would like him to be a recurring character in this season of the walking dead. I'm so happy. I like Lenny James. I've, uh, I've liked him in pretty much everything I've ever seen him in. Uh, I can't think of anything where I didn't like him. I mean, low winter sun wasn't very good, but he was good. Oh, he was good. Yeah. Same with uh, Jericho. Jericho was crap, but he was good. I'll see. He's he's a good actor, and I I would like to see him on the show more. So I'm really excited. Yes. What I hope they do, I you know I don't want them to bring him in too fast, but if they dedicate like a couple minutes per episode for the first half of the season to him, and we just get little bits and pieces of his story, that might be a cool way to weave him back into things. 
And if they do it in a clever way, they can sort of hint that he's on a similar path to our characters and they're going to meet up at some point in the future, but we just don't really know how yet. I think it could be really awesome. Right. You think he's in league with Eugene and Eugene is carving the uh, hobo signs? Well, if to be honest, if anyone is, it could be Eugene, yeah. Yeah. Eugene is the uh, armored pierogi. He's weird enough. He <laughs> he might as well be the one carving signs. Yeah. Okay, uh, really quick, a couple of uh, listeners wrote in, um, Adam, friend of the show, I thought I'd read a couple things they had to say here. So Adam says, I love that they did not escape Terminus due to some mercy on the part of Gareth or any of the termites. That their exodus was literally them fighting tooth and nail to escape. I think it might have cheapened it if they were somehow relying on Gareth or owed him some due. By the season trailer, it looked like Gareth would release them and follow them to DC. Glad they did not go this route. Right. I I totally agree with that. We speculated that maybe Gareth released them based on that knowledge of a cure, and then he was either following them or stalking them somehow or something like that. I'm really glad that didn't happen because now when I think about it, Adam's absolutely right. That kind of would have been lame because it... It, it it almost would feel like this, you know, Rick and the group owes him something for letting them go. That's true. I, I, I could have seen it. I could have seen uh, Rick and the gang talking their way out of Terminus, but I like this way better. Yeah, I totally agree. I preferred this much better. It leaves it in the past, at least so we think. Now, Gareth is not dead. We did not see him die, so he could come back again. And I think, in fact, we know he does, but... At the same time, as far as our group knows, sort of they've left this in the past and they're moving on. They're progressing forward at this point. True. Um, Shell from Melbourne, Australia also wrote in to ask if Gareth would be back. And basically the answer is, yeah. I mean, for a couple of reasons, he was promoted. The actor was promoted to series regular on the show. Uh, for right, at least which season. they're not going to kill him off in the first episode if they do that. That's right. For at least season five, I think. And uh, we did see him in the trailer from Comic-Con in some scenes that we did not see in this episode. So yeah. I do believe Gareth will be in next week's episode in some capacity. Yes, he will. Um, and the other thing is Rick has to kill him with a red-handled machete, and that hasn't happened yet. Right. Did they, did they pick up the machete? Did we see the machete? We didn't see the machete. You know, I'm not sure. They were digging up those uh, those guns, and we got a look in the bag, I think. And I, I would imagine it was there, but I just didn't uh, didn't really notice it. But yeah. You know, Rick said he's going to kill him with it, so he has to, and I'll be disappointed if he doesn't. Oh, he will. Have no fear. Will it be cheesy if he does, though, after he called it like that? Well, yeah. But it'll still be awesome is what you're saying. But that's still, that's okay. All right. <laughs> well, I'm look, I look forward to that, and I also look forward to saying that this was one of the best episodes that this show has ever done. <sighs> let's see are here. you on board I, I am on board i really really liked it i thought it was a, a a really good episode it was very very strong i'm just uh i'm thinking about the best right i have to put it into context it was the definitely an awesome episode that i really really enjoyed and i can't think of anything that i didn't like about it other than the uh the guardrail being on the far side of the fence right but that's just ridiculous because you know that's just ridiculous, Jason. What the hell are you thinking? That's just you. Uh, yeah, that's just me. Um, so, yes, it was a, a fantastic episode. Uh, the best episode? 
I'm, you know, it's it's definitely up there. Yeah, I'm, I I say one of the best. I mean, I still love the pilot. I still love things like Clear and uh, the Grove, um, but this was definitely one of the best. This was the best season premiere, maybe excluding the pilot that we've had. Um, and it was just, it was a big episode. It was a, a great balance between action and a little bit of emotion, like when characters were reuniting and stuff like that. And it felt long for a one hour episode, in my opinion. It really it did. It felt like a lot happened and just everyone went through a lot of crap. So I think this is a stellar way to start season five. And God, I hope the quality stays this high all year long. That would be amazing. That'd be excellent. All right. And any episode with Lenny James in it is uh, is rock solid in my book. Rock solid. Totally. Going to be good. All right. One other thing we do here on the podcast is, holy crap, did you see that moments? We will get to those right after we take a quick break to let you know how you can help support the podcast. So we'll be right back after this. you want to help support the talking dead there are a number of ways you can do that really quickly here the first and best way to do that is visit us on patreon go to patreon.com slash the talking dead where you can make a small monthly pledge to help defray the cost of putting on this here podcast you can pledge as little as one dollar per month and there are different levels of rewards if you would like to receive a reward including original custom art done by friend of the show dave so Visit patreon.com slash the talking dead for all that information and uh, help support us that way. You can also help support the show by going to amazon.talkingdeadpodcast.com before you do all of our, sorry, all of your shopping at Amazon. <laughs> Don't do our shopping. That'd be weird. Yeah, before you do any of our shopping. Right. <laughs> Go do your own shopping at amazon.talkingdeadpodcast.com and a small cut will come our way. And one more thing, just before Season 5 started, I posted new products for sale. We used to sell t-shirts and stuff like that. So now we have new shirts up for sale for Season 5, but we also have iPhone, iPad cases, stickers, and throw pillows and tote throw bags pillows. of yeah. all things. So you can go get any of those things with the Talking Dead zombie uh, headphone uh, handset graphic, we call it on there visit redbubble.com slash people slash the talking dead for all the stuff that is for sale those are all three great ways to help support the show and we really appreciate everyone who does Holy crap. Did you see that? 
All right, it is time to read through the Holy Crap Did You See That moments for this episode. The first one, though, I don't have to read because it's a phone call, and here it comes. Hey guys, this is David Healy from Springfield, Missouri. I'm a new listener, but I spent the past month listening to every single one of your uh, recap podcasts and feedback podcasts, so that's a lot of podcasts. But I called in with, uh, holy crap, did you see that? Or better yet, oh, holy crap, did you not see that? Uh, This is the second time we've seen Tyrese kill a ton of zombies without actually seeing it on screen. There was a herd in season four. So my question is, maybe he has some special zombie killing power that we haven't seen yet. Is that going to come into play? It's interesting to think about, huh? Thank you, David. Um, so I don't think Therese, had to, if you're getting to supernatural zombie killing powers, I don't think he has anything there. <laughs> he has a, a plus three framing hammer. Yes, he does. And I think Tyrese probably has a little bit of a berserk mode like Wolverine that he can go into and just just go nuts and, and kill zombies without, you know, just on a on a rampage kind of. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a combination of uh, Wolverine, Thor, and uh, the Hulk. He gets angry. <laughs> he, uh, he he goes into a rampage mode, and he has uh, Mjolnir, his uh, plus three framing hammer. Right. So all those things put together make him a pretty formidable zombie killer. Yeah, and we can't see that because if we saw that, it's it's yeah. sort of like. Uh, 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 what was that? You remember, what was that movie where they, where they had the shoveler and uh, the rage and uh, Janine Gar- Garofalo yep. threw her bowling ball? Oh, and there was that guy that uh, could go invisible, but only when no one was looking at him. I don't remember the name, but I know the movie. <laughs> yeah, so maybe that's that's the thing. You can't do it when anybody's looking at him, including the camera. Mystery Men, right? Mystery Men. That was uh, yeah. Watch that go. movie. It's a good movie. It's good. Anyway, so we can't see Tyrese doing his thing because it would be just too overwhelming for us, I think. It would be too yeah, awesome. Yeah, I think it would break the camera. Right. Is the is the problem. It would just be so awesome him throwing that framing hammer around and going into berserk mode uh, that, uh, that we, you know, it would just be too awesome to show on screen. Absolutely. Shannon from the internet writes in, there were a lot of holy crap moments in this episode. What with all the flaming zombies and torsos on meat hooks, etc. But one thing caught my eye. When Carol finds the watch and the crossbow in the sorting room, there was also a table full of teddy bears and children's toys. Which means these people were killing and eating children. Truly horrifying. That's true. Pretty nasty. And catalog- cataloging the teddy bears that they take from their uh, their uh, their tender tender child meat. Oh, the terminus people. Just bad people all around. Yeah. James from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania writes, uh, Carol stepping up. Finally, she redeems herself and continues to make people look at the flowers. She, at the she, flowers? Yeah. Well, look at the flowers, Lizzie. Remember? That's oh, what she right. said to calm Lizzie before she shot her in the head. Yeah. Um, so Carol continues to do that, and she's pretty badass. Carol yeah, um, was amazing in this episode, actually. Don't you think? She was. She was a killing machine. She was. Uh, she was able to kill zombies and people uh, without any regard to uh, to what she was doing whatsoever. But well, but not really. I mean, she had a plan, right? She. No, no. She, yeah, she had a plan, and she was fine at it. She was a machine at a at a, achieving her objective, and uh, just no regard to life whatsoever. Like she would kill uh, whatever she needed to in order to achieve what uh, what she wanted. 
Yeah. Well, it worked. It worked. Yeah. As Don't Rick waste said, a bullet on that uh, on that lady. That's uh, you know, shoot her in the leg to get information. But after that, do not waste any bullet on her. Just open the door and let the zombies eat her. Yeah. Well, as Rick said, Carol did that. That was all her doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jenna from outside the box writes, "My holy crap! Did you see that? Would be the crappy special effects that did not live up to my Greg Nicotero standards. The zombie eating the termite's face just looked so fake." The oh, they hum- were making out. That, that's what that looked like. The human looked like a stiff mannequin, and the blood was just pouring onto the face, not out of any particular wound. Very sad, considering he directed this episode. I still think that was awesome, though. Zombie on fire eating a guy's face and blood everywhere. The The idea is definitely awesome, but I can see what she means, because I thought I had the same thought. I'm like, that was a lot of just blood sort of running down his face. It It, it seemed a little excessive or evil daddy almost right yeah it kind of did like what happens when you chew your nose off does it become a blood fountain (laughs) i don't think so i don't think so either yeah but maybe i haven't seen a lot of noses being chewed off before yeah go look on the internet i'm sure that uh, there's all kinds of stuff out there with people missing noses i don't think i'll be doing that um david from orange county california writes did you see rick all tied up and getting carried around outside of the complex when Carol was looking at Terminus from her vantage point, by the fence, he means. Uh, Then just moments later, when she had blown up the fuel tank and one heck of an incredible shot via a firework rocket, you see Rick and the gang back in the complex bent over the trough ready to get their heads cracked by a baseball bat and then have their throats slit with a knife. Looks like someone missed that little piece of continuity. I think what David is saying is that it didn't seem like there was enough time between them being outside going through the sort of indoor stuff and the conversation with Bob while Carol was there setting up her shot and the bottle rocket. Right. Well, what I assume happened is that she got to the fence and saw the propane tank and went, ah, man, if I only had some of the fireworks that that guy had back at the cabin, that'd be awesome. And then went, you know, trudged back to the cabin to get the firework and then came back and go, okay, now I'm ready. Well, that's what we missed that, or it just took her a little bit longer to, to set that all up. Right. I mean, she had to come up with the plan, you know, figure out how to do it, which I guess isn't that hard. You shoot the tank and then fire the rocket, but you know, maybe she did some, some calculations on the angle and the, and the, uh, (laughs) she did some, uh, she did some trigonometry on the, uh, that's right on the, you know, with a stick in the dirt. She, 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 it's a little bit of tower defense, right? She, she yeah. played some tower defense, figured out the amount of fire or amount of force needed and the angle, and then, uh, you know, had to go through all that. So it would have taken a little bit of time. Or maybe she cooked a meal. Maybe she was hungry. It's like, oh, crap, it's like 1030 in the morning and I haven't eaten yet today. Uh, good thing I have this cup of soup. And, uh, <laughs> and granola you know, bar. Made herself in, a, in a granola bar, she made herself a meal. Yeah, okay. Um, I can see David's point, but I think, you know, I think it, it works okay. And uh, I wouldn't... Uh, wouldn't think too hard about it. Right. <laughs> um, okay, this next one comes from Joe in Roanoke, Virginia. This one references, and in fact, the next couple reference some, uh, references the comics a little bit, because people think they saw some stuff in here that are from the comics, or at least hinted at things from the comics. So if you haven't read the comics, we refer to some characters that haven't shown up in the TV show yet. So if you're worried about that, maybe skip forward a little bit. But Joe from Roanoke, Virginia says, holy crap, was that Negan that brought Mary back to the trailers towards the end of the episode. He was running Terminus before Gareth and gang took over. 
And then Arthur and Amanda from Brookfield, Connecticut say, my holy crap moment is when at the flashback at the end of the episode, when they opened the train car and picked up a new woman to rape, she screams, no, Negan, no, Negan. He, of course, is a, a villain in the comic book. And then finally, John from Harwich, Essex, UK, or maybe Harwich, I don't know, says, my holy crap this week is, did we just get our first look at the saviors from the comic? At the end, when Gareth is thrown into the train car and a leather-clad big dude tells him it's not going to be okay, he has to be one of Negan's saviors, right? So a lot of people think this is Negan, this character from the comic who um, is not a very nice guy. No. Um, I don't think it's it's him, though. I, I do expect this character to show up on the TV show at some point, but they'll make a bigger splash when they do. I don't think they'll just throw him in to a scene like this and not really give us enough to determine whether it's him or not. And the other thing is, um, Arthur and Amanda, who wrote in that the woman was screaming, no, Negan, I went and turned on the subtitles, and actually what she says is, no, not again. Oh, I see. Which really sounds like, no, Negan. No, not right. again. Um, so she wasn't, you know, his name was never used or anything like that. So I really don't think it's him. I'm not saying it's totally out of the question. But why would they have this villain sort of running Terminus and then have him be taken over by by Gareth and the group just to have, you know, just to have him go off and be somewhere else. I think they'll introduce him with more fanfare than that. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I agree with you. It's not it's not Negan. It's too early for that and uh too subtle. That's the other thing. It's too early. I mean I don't want to get into it because it's comic stuff, but I think he will be on the show. I think our characters will run into him later on, but it's going to happen in a different way. But, you know, we'll see. You never know. Yeah. Um, let's see. Katie in the UK writes, my holy crap moment was, of course, Morgan's return. I honestly wanted to jump out of my chair for joy when it was finally revealed. Morgan is probably one of my favorite characters, even though he's only previously appeared in two episodes. I love what Lenny James brings to Morgan. Uh, looking forward to what happens with that story. Hopefully things will turn out better than last time. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, can't wait to see what they do with him. Uh, Greg from the internet, there's good old Morgan who somehow makes it most of the way to Terminus without even a smudge of gore on him. Morgan looks <laughs> like he just emerged from an L.L. Bean zombie apocalypse outlet store. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he looked uh, he looked pretty put together. He did, but at the same time, I am not bothered by it one bit because he is prepared now like we were talking about earlier plus he has that really cool mask yeah do you have any information on that mask like what is that what what kind of mask is that that's a zombie apocalypse mask what would that mask have been used for pre-zombie apocalypse uh for preparing for the zombie apocalypse okay i have no idea what that mask is for all right it might be a ski mask it might be a uh an snm mask like you walk into any S&M store and they will have leather masks that would work just fine. So uh, maybe maybe he's got a GIMP outfit on. Well, Who knows? when you're next time you're in your local S&M store, take a look, see if you can find one of those, would you? Okay, sure. It's around the corner. Great. <laughs> Honestly, though, if anyone knows what the deal is with that mask is, like, is it a paintball mask or something? I don't know. I'm I'm not sure. So either way, I thought it looked really badass. So it's not a paintball mask. Paintball masks are um, a little bit different. 
Okay. Well, I don't know what it is. I'm I'm hoping somebody does. Uh, Brad of the Dead from Osaka, Japan, wrote in, My holy crap moment was when the termites were shooting zombies with a machine gun and the force tore her arm off. So there was a zombie yeah. who got shot and the, her arm just went flying off and then her head, she got hit in the head. It was a very cool zombie kill. It was a cool zombie kill and the guy behind him got shot too and uh, that, that whole sequence was really, really well done. I really liked it. Totally agree. Amanda from Sweden writes, holy crap, but how much did Carol look like Jane from the Telltale Games Walking Dead when she was walking through the forest and towards Terminus? When I watched the gameplays on YouTube, Jane always reminded me of Carol, but in today's episode, when Carol put the walker gore on her face, they looked pretty much identical. Short hair. They're they're both uh, cut from the same cloth, I think. I completely agree. Um, Carol and Jane really remind me of each other, actually, when I think about it, you know, as, as survivors. So... Good pickup there, Amanda. Alex from South Australia. He writes in... Um, now, Alex Alex had some problems with this episode, so it wasn't universally loved by everyone. We'll get into some of his feedback on our Wednesday feedback show, but for now, he has some holy crap moments, but you'll get an idea of where he's coming from here. He says, um, holy crap, like Carol's perfectly aimed MacGyvered firework mortar. Hollywood be, would be proud. <laughs> He's yeah. not so keen on that. He says, the guy shuffling away from a zombie on his back, get up and run, mate, seriously. <laughs> I, I yelled at the screen. I actually uh, verbally uh, yelled at the screen, get up, dude. Come on, just stand up and run away. Terror uh, does strange things to people. That's true. That's true. He probably didn't believe he could get up and run away. If I just, just... No, he was just so frightened that all he could do uh, was, you know, back up. Yeah, on his back. Um, Alex goes on the perfectly placed car, uh, wing mirror, allowing Rick unrestricted view of his enemies. <laughs> that was a good shot. It was. And I guess in Australia they call rear, um, side mirrors, wing mirrors, but that's fine. Uh, but it was a good shot, but yes, it was a little convenient, but at the same time, maybe Rick grabbed it and twisted it so he could see. And we just didn't see that. I use reflections. I've always used reflections to see things. I well, you know, if I'm in a if I'm in a mall, I will use reflections to to find out what's going on. I've always done that. So if there's a mirror sitting on the floor, uh, you know, and I need to see something, sometimes it's you know, every once in a while there's a mirror just perfectly placed so that you could get a good look at whatever boobs you're trying to see. <laughs> I'm sorry, whatever you're trying to look at. <laughs> nice. Finally, Alex <laughs> says the perfect gap in the trees framing the smoke rising from a decimated terminus um so what he's trying to say is there were there were a lot of unrealistic conveniences injected into this episode um but frankly it didn't really bother me that much at all right so it was uh, nicely framed but every once in a while there is something that's nicely framed there's uh, there's a shot of uh one of the on-ramps to the gardner expressway downtown mm -hmm. as you go up the on-ramp the cn tower is perfectly framed with the with the gardener the two, there's two lanes on the gardener. As you go up, it's perfectly and utterly framed. Okay. It's weird, but it's just one of those things. Well, that is some serious inside baseball for people from Toronto. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just saying that uh, every once in a while, there's just something that's perfectly framed. I and mean, there's a lot of coincidences in this episode, but, uh, you know, they do favor our intrepid heroes. Sure. You're just saying that sometimes the world just lines up perfectly, right? Yeah. 
Okay. Every, every, every once in a while, uh, everything comes up Millhouse. That's right. Finally, Jack from Rainy England says, So my holy crap, did you see that for the opening episode may not be as dramatic as others, but it certainly shocked me. With shuffling and shambling being commonly associated with zombies, I didn't think they had much foot-eye coordination. So it it is to my surprise when every single one of them steps perfectly over the train tracks at the start of the episode, I was fully expecting one of them to trip and fall. I, I noticed that too. Yeah, me too. And, but I accepted it because uh, most of us know how to step over train tracks without tripping and falling. And we do know that zombies retain some residual memory and do have a basic, uh, you know, logic mechanism. Mm-hmm. Go around the car or go through the door rather than trying to walk through the wall mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, there's very basic things. So I don't think it's beyond the realm of zombie abilities in this show to, uh, to have, to step over a train track uh, rail without tripping on it. I think you've said that perfectly. The zombies have at least muscle memory and yeah. they know people know how to walk over train tracks or even walk down along train tracks, right? If you trip over train ties, if you were truly a mindless zombie. Yeah. So. I mean, they, they're not going to walk a tightrope. They're not going to climb a pole and then walk along the power lines in order to get into, uh, you know, a fenced off compound. Like, they're not going to do that because very few zombies will end up being, uh, or, you know, come from uh, the flying Valendas. Like, they're not tightrope walk- walkers. No. They are definitely few. not. Um, I think you know. it sort of stops at climbing a ladder. I wouldn't expect a zombie to climb a ladder. And but if they can climb stairs. Uh, they can climb stairs. Stairs easier than ladders. If they could climb a ladder, it would take an awful long time. And they'd probably fall off once or twice, which yeah. c- could be hilarious. <laughs> it could be fun. We should set up, uh, you know, in, we're not in the zombie apocalypse, so we can't set anything up. No, but next time we are, let's set up a whole bunch of ladders. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty, uh, that is it for Holy Crap, Did You See That? And that is going to be it for this podcast. Man, it's good to have the show back on and to have it start in such an unprecedentedly awesome fashion. I am really excited for season five now. I believe it's precedented. I think it is awesome, but I think there is previous, there, there is prior work that proves that uh, uh, you know this level, this caliber of show can, uh, can come out of this uh, production team. Okay, I will give you that, but I do think this is the best episode that Scott Gimple's been in charge of. This is by far the best episode this season. <laughs> like by not a little margin. No, by absolutely the largest of margins. Yes, the largest margin you, you can imagine. All right. Well, that's exciting. I hope season five continues at this level of quality. We will be back on Wednesday with our listener feedback show for season uh, five, episode one. So get your feedback in. You can do that by sending us email at talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com or go to Twitter, tweet us at Talking Dead or visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead or go to our website, and use the send voicemail button. You know, astute listeners may be wondering why I'm not listing the phone number anymore. And that is because I think, sadly, the phone number will be going away soon. Um, The voicemail button on the website is a really good way to send us actual recorded um, speaking voice messages kind of thing. 
and there may be a new phone number at some point. The problem with the 800 number is now that far, far, far too many people who are trying to contact AMC and their show called Talking Dead call that number. And right. it just makes it unusable for us most of the time, especially sort of over Sunday, Monday night kind of thing. So call it if you want for now, but it will be going away soon. So visit TalkingDeadPodcast.com and click send voicemail, and then you can record yourself speaking right into your computer's microphone, and it'll come straight to us, and the quality there is decent. Probably better than I the... I call it the, uh, the talkie recording line. Go and use the talkie recording line. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to stick. <laughs> Why not? A little too know. wordy? Yeah, a little too wordy, maybe, yeah. Um, but otherwise, all those... recording internet linky-clicky? I think maybe you should think about it a little more and come up with something better. All right. Uh, all the other ways are great, though. Visit us on Facebook or send email talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, the whole point is, though, we'll be back on Wednesday with your feedback, so get it in. Uh, please visit us, visit us on Patreon, patreon.com slash thetalkingdead, or use amazon.talkingdeadpodcast.com uh, when you're doing that shopping. Not our shopping. Do your own shopping, please. <laughs> and uh, that would be great. So good to have Season 5 back, everyone. This is fun. We're going to dive right into the whole season. Um, thanks you so much for listening. My name is Chris. My name is Jason. We'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>